Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. If you missed that last segment, we were talking about some of the communication strategies and really helping people get to that why. We actually had one of our texters uh, chime in uh, talking about some of the high school students. Uh, this person is a teacher, so there's a lot of them that are struggling and failing. Uh, how do we communicate? And, and we should always remember when the why is big enough, the how's not a problem. Uh, and so getting that to why out there is is really important. Also making sure we get more specific. Uh, there's the old saying that, you know, one one death is a tragedy, 100,000 is a statistic. Uh, and so how we communicate about those uh, really matters. So share with us your tips, your ideas, what you're doing today. You can do that on our Utah Community Credit Union, KSL text line 57500. And now we want to go to one of the uh, great communicators uh, who's always in tune with what's happening out there, Scott Rasmussen, uh, independent pollster, joining us live from New York City. Scott, how are we doing today? Boy, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really continues to be an amazing time in both the life of New York State as we cope to deal with an unprecedented pandemic. Yeah, and uh, I think we're we're hearing the effects of that uh, in your phone. So we'll hopefully get keep our uh, line clear here uh, if we happen to lose you. Uh, I wanted to get today, Scott, to a piece you wrote uh, for uh, DeseretNews.com uh, around this whole idea of what this what this pandemic is really showing us. It's not a new era, but kind of showing us that we're already in a, a new era. Tell us about that. Yes, the last decade. We're getting a little bad connection there, uh, Scott. We're going to have uh, why don't we have you uh, dial back in uh, here in just a second, and uh, we can see if we can reestablish Scott's line. Uh, hopefully, Scott will be dialing back in uh, while we're waiting for Scott to uh, get back with us here. And uh, Kellyanne, you can grab this one if you want. The piece that we're uh, talking to Scott about today is is really what will life look like after. Uh, the pandemic and uh, kind of looking back to history and, and some of the challenges uh, that we're looking at and uh, and what's going on there. And I, I think one of the important things for us to keep in mind is that a lot of times what happens in, in this kind of disruption is it does show us uh, where we really are. And uh, the thing I'm hoping we can get uh, to Scott on uh, is uh, this idea around education that a lot of the disruption that we're we're seeing now is uh, really part of a, a, a bigger play that's that's already started and moving on. I mean, just think about this. Uh, think a year ago, even six months ago, uh, if we were talking about massive distance learning, homeschooling, uh, everyone would have said, "No, that's that's crazy. That's impossible." Uh, but now we've had to embrace that in a really unique way based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So again, a lot of times these these experiences, these big challenges we face uh, actually point us in the in the right direction in terms of where the next change is coming from. I think we've got Scott back on the line. You there, Scott? I am here. I don't feel better this time. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's let's dive into kind of the, the meat of this. I was just uh, teeing up some of your article in, in terms of 
how it's playing out in places like education where we've probably been resistant to a lot of change and suddenly uh, change is the way. That's right. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, without any planning or preparation, uh, millions of students and parents and teachers are starting to deal, uh, I guess, a form of experimental homeschooling. Uh, you know, and they're responding in different ways. Some teachers are frustrated. Some are finding great new ways to connect with students. Some parents are saying, yes, we're going to crack the whip and make sure our students, our kids study hard all the time. And others are saying, eh, maybe it's just a little different. So there's there's different experiences, but coming out of it, everybody is going to have learned something about dealing with a different type of education. Uh, next fall, presuming the schools are open, it will look like things have returned to normal. And, you know, we'll say, wow, you know, that was a strange experience. But all the things that we're learning right now, how to communicate in different ways, how to teach children in different ways, are never going to be unlearned. And some of the best teachers will begin to to try to bring them into the classroom. And eventually, uh, I believe that many of them will leave and actually start their own schools, a different type of school. Um, the school is made possible by the technology. It's happening now because of the pandemic. But it's important to remember that it's the teachers who will make it work. Yeah, I think that's so, so vital. And, and there is so much on the teachers. And like you say, I think there'll be some really entrepreneurial teachers that will lead out. And uh, this this is really kind of the, the major disruption uh, that uh, I think a lot of people have been trying to nudge along in terms of education, both uh, K through 12 and in higher education. Uh, but this is really kind of fast tracking that we're also seeing it in, in terms of healthcare as well. Absolutely. I mean, what's happening, the, the, the line I've used in a couple of my columns lately is this pandemic is turbocharging the pace of change. Uh, you know, people have been talking about how technology will change education or change health care. Um, and the change is probably, I mean, they were coming anyhow. The, the microchip, the way we can cover things remotely, talk to each other remotely, monitor our health remotely, changes things. But the pandemic is forcing us to put those things into action. Um, and I think the encouraging part of all of it is change will be coming from the bottom up. It is moving both our uh, education system and our healthcare system away from more centralizing powers and in favor of a more decentralized approach, putting power in the hands of individual Americans. Yeah, I think that uh, that whole idea of decentralizing uh, is interesting. Some people have said, you know, we should do that with the government. We should, you know, we should put uh, commerce in Chicago and we should, you know, we should put agriculture in Nebraska. We should put the, you know, uh, uh, environmental pieces out west and so on. Uh, do you think that this will start to nudge those kinds of ideas forward as well? Um, it's certainly going to lead to different types of decentralization of government. And I, for one, would love it if the uh, uh, the cabinet offices were spread around the country. Uh, all of a sudden, you wouldn't have a group of people in Washington whose entire career was focused around the federal government. You might have somebody in that Nebraska Department of Agriculture who works for the government for a couple of years and then goes to work in the private sector 
but not as a lobbyist as they do in Washington. But I, I suspect that the, the more significant changes from decentralization of politics will be uh, more authority given to local decision makers, more authority to state and local governments. I think we're going to see it as the pandemic comes to an end uh, and we begin to talk about how do we reopen society. The federal government will put out some guidelines and make suggestions. But my guess is the situation here in New York City will merit a little different response than the uh, than the situation in either Salt Lake or in uh, rural Utah. Um, and different parts of the country will have to rely on local officials to make those judgments. And I think that's a, a trend that is going to uh, really pick up steam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott Rasmussen joining us live from New York. Always appreciate your insight. His uh, column uh, is on DeseretNews.com, Deseret.com. It's uh, really a fascinating read, a lot to learn from this coronavirus. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, boy. All right, we'll go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour. Uh, when we come back, we'll shift to politics. Uh, Wisconsin is actually holding a primary today after a battle between the governor and the state Supreme Court. We'll talk about what that means for Utah's primary coming up on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.